Welcome to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. I'm glad you found us. My name is Tony Piles, and I'm the pastor here. I pray this recording brings you encouragement and growth in Christ, and we would love for you to join us in person anytime you are in town. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for our current schedule of worship and Bible studies. And may God bring you blessing through what you're about to hear. Thank you. This morning, the sermon passage is Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. This is God's word. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseiah on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Malchijah, Hashum, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maaseiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense, so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, 
and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Please be seated. Lord God, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning, that we might behold wonderful things in your law. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What would it look like in our community if we gave ourselves over to the reading of God's word? If it truly captivated and held our attention, what power would that have among us? Because we see in this chapter a community who has already heard from and studied and sought God's word, who has had teachers come among them and proclaim it to them, who had prophets labor among them long declaring God's word to them. And yet in this chapter, They focused themselves on God's word in a way they had not done so previously. They give themselves over to, they delight in God's word. And we see see four characteristics pop up among them as they do so. Part of it is responses to it. Part of it is things God had worked in them that bring them to this point. But four characteristics of this community focused upon God's law. We see pursuit, comfort, obedience, and rejoicing. So let's consider those things from this chapter. The first thing that we are struck by in Nehemiah 8 is that the Lord's people eagerly pursue his word. Because from the moment we enter this chapter, we see the people themselves gathering. They gather as one man. And what do they do? They call Nehemiah to account for how long the wall is taking to build. Do they assemble because they're frightened by the nations gathering around them? Do they come together because it's, it's market day 
And they've heard there's a really good catch of fish going to be there. Now they gather and they tell Ezra to bring the book. Ezra, who is a a scribe and a priest who has devoted his life to studying, to know God's word, to do it and to teach. They want this man to bring God's word to them. And so they tell him, come and bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel, bring it to us. And so he brought it. But who's there? Who's there among this people that gathered as one man? That sounds like it's, it's just the guys, right? It's a, it's a group of interested men who, who were curious about God's word. And so they called upon Ezra to come and teach them. That's not what it says. Who did Ezra bring it to? Who who gathered in that square? Verse 2 tells us men and women and all who could understand what they heard. Which means, by the way, there's no one left at home to babysit. So probably the nursing infants are also there. Unless they left them at home by themselves. This echoes something we've seen earlier in Ezra, Nehemiah, where the whole community, the men, the women, the children, take an interest in, are invested in the proclamation of God's word. And here the whole community, young, old, man, woman, child, want to hear the word their God. And so they seek out one they know is specially gifted and called to teach it to them. And we don't get the the background, right? The prelude to Ezra 8, other Nehemiah 8, other than what's happened before. But we find out as we keep reading that they've actually built a pulpit for him. A pulpit big enough that 13 other people can be on it with him. So that he can be seen clearly by all the people as he reads. And that there are people invested in this work with him. Who are called to teach alongside him. Who go out among the crowd that is gathered. Making sure that they can hear. Ensuring that they understand. This is not the work of one specially gifted preacher proclaiming God's word from on high, far separated from the congregation. But as he proclaims it, as they read chapter by chapter or or paragraph by paragraph, those who have joined with him in the labor are among the people helping to make sure that they understand Stand. It says in verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God clearly. That may very well mean section by section. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. See, it's not for them a, a rabbit's foot. 
It's not, right, if I, if I stick a verse in my car that will protect me from a wreck. Right? It's not if I, if I have a, a memory verse memorized, then, then God will favor me this week. They want to understand God's word. And so they've sought out a teacher. And that teacher labors with others to ensure that the people know what the Lord has to say to them. They eagerly pursue God's word. Seeking not just knowledge, but understanding. Because how would they know their God better? but through his word. The first thing we see in this community is that they eagerly pursue God's word with the desire to understand. And that God has given them leaders that foster this, that develop this understanding, who are themselves invested in the people knowing and understanding and applying God's word. Notice even where they are. They're not in the temple. They're not in places where the people cannot come. But they are out in the city with special preparations, ensuring that everyone who can understand has access to the reading, the hearing, the applying, the explaining, and the understanding of God's word. Something that they eagerly pursue and that God has provided for the reception of. What would it look like for us to eagerly pursue God's word in this way. Can you imagine just a a random Thursday? People started showing up. And all of a sudden, the whole congregation was here and half the town as well. And we had to do something in the parking lot and put something up on the roof. and, And the elders walked among the people, making sure that what was read was being understood. Can you imagine what God might do among us in this community if we were marked by this kind of eagerness in our pursuit of God's word? May God grant it and more. But they don't just eagerly pursue God's word in a way that doesn't touch them in a way that puffs them up with knowledge but has no effect on their lives. They also take comfort in God's word. But this happens in two stages. We see this in the transition from their understanding to their weeping. Verses 9 through 12, Ezra's up there and he is reading God's word to them. Levites and elders are among them, ensuring that they have the sense and the understanding. And all of a sudden, 
They have to be told, stop your weeping. Don't weep. This is a day holy to the Lord. This is a day of good news. Why do you weep? Well, why do they weep? Because they're confronted by God's word. They're given a sense of the greatness of their God. And of what he requires of them. Of the, of the depth of their need. And how far short they fall. Of their neglect of his commandments. Of their lack of understanding. Of their sense of loss as they wonder what could it have been like if we had shown this eager pursuit of God's word earlier? What of what we have suffered because of our fathers who forsook the Lord so that we were carried away into exile? Confronted by God's word, they weep. But from God's word, they draw comfort. As you see, those who are proclaiming God's word to them, who are teaching them, who are ensuring that they understand, say, do not weep for this Day is holy to the Lord your God. This is a day of feasting. A day to celebrate. A day to look for sad faces and give them something for cheer. And they turn and they go their way and they eat and drink. And there's great rejoicing. And why? Because somebody said, don't worry, be happy. No. Why do they take comfort? Why does their weeping stop? Why are they full of joy? It tells us at the end of verse 12, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Beloved, is that your response as you understand God's word, as you see its application to your life, does that fill you with joy? Do you draw comfort from it? Do you seek to understand more? Are you stirred up and encouraged in your pursuit of understanding God's word? Does coming to grasp some make you hungry for more? Does it turn you from weeping as you're confronted with your sin to taking delight in God's provision for it in the forgiveness he extends to you is your mourning turned to rejoicing as you eagerly pursue God's word and take comfort in it the third thing that we see in this chapter is that the Lord's people seek to obey his word. Their eager pursuit continues. Their taking delight in God's word continues. Their taking comfort issues in a desire to understand more that they might obey better. We see this in verse 13. As the people 
who've gathered have to return to tend to their work, to go about their business, to take care of the animals, delighting in God's word as they go. Heads of fathers' houses gather. Those who rule over families say, we need a better understanding. We need to know God's word more. How can we lead our families? How can we train up our children without knowing God's word better than we do? And so they gather, verse 13, on the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. Ezra, if we are to do what God has called us to do, we need to understand his word better. So teach us. Teach us his word. And as Ezra does, as he and the Levites and the scribes open the book of the law and pour over it with heads of fathers' houses, what do they find but that there is a feast that the Lord has commanded. And so they seek to observe that feast, to celebrate what God had done for them in generations past in bringing them out of Egypt and into the land. And so they celebrate together by observing this feast of booths. They proclaim it in all of the towns. They gather as a people. With gusto, might say. With hastily constructed wilderness survival shelters all through the town, reminding them of the temporary shelters that they built as God brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. We have this curious. Note in verse 17 that all the assembly of those who returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, that's Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. There was very great rejoicing. That's a head scratcher. Because there are some times that they had done so. Chronicles mentions a few. They've celebrated this feast Before, it it hasn't been forgotten in the whole time period from Joshua to now. So, So what do Ezra and Nehemiah mean? What do they want us to understand by this? Is it the scale of their observance? Is it the the scale of participation that people from all over the nation and not just in Jerusalem have gathered? Is it their rejoicing that goes along with this? We don't know, because he doesn't develop that further. But there's something about the way they observe this feast in the midst of their rejoicing, in the midst of the comfort they take, their delight in God's word, their eagerness to understand it more, that marks this out as a celebration the like of which has not been seen since God instituted it in Israel. 
Beloved, does our delight in God's word issue in this kind of zeal to obey God's commands? The people could look at us and say, I've never seen a service like that. Where the people were so struck by the authority of their God, by the proclamation of his word, by the assurance of forgiveness. I've just never seen something like that. Lives changed as we study God's word and seek to know his commands and seek to walk in them in ways unknown among our fathers and grandfathers. Do we eagerly pursue the Lord's word? Do we take comfort in it? Do we seek to put it into practice? There's a fourth thing we see that runs through this entire chapter from beginning to end. I can't point to verses 18 and 19 and 20 and say we see it here because we see it everywhere. And that's that the Lord's people rejoice in his word. They long to hear from it. They rejoice when it's proclaimed. They lift up their hands. They leave with rejoicing because they've understood. They obey as they observe the feast with Rejoicing. There's not a corner of this chapter without rejoicing. For even as they weep, it's turned to feasting and joy. So I ask, is our response to God's word characterized by rejoicing? Do we seek it eagerly with a desire to understand? Do we take comfort in what God proclaims to us there? Do we seek to obey it? And as we do all of these things in our pursuit of God's word, does that issue in joy? Beloved, if it doesn't, we have missed something. As God's word is proclaimed and we understand our sin, we're cut to the heart by being faced with who we are apart from Christ. God's word never leaves us there. There's always a but. But God. So that even as we are convicted of sin, we are assured of Pardon. Beloved, does your pursuit of God's word stop with the bad news? Leaving you in a place where you do not rejoice, but are discouraged. When God's word calls us to prayer, and we're struck by the conviction that we do not pray enough, or we can't see past our circumstances. We feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and we don't know what to say. Do we take comfort in the knowledge that God has given us 
words to pray? Do we avail ourselves of the Psalms? Do we read them? Do we treasure them? Do we take them onto our own lips? And do we recognize what Romans 8 tells us? That the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That the Son is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us now. Do you push beyond your circumstances and your feelings and your knowledge of God's Word in this corner further to a greater knowledge that leads to rejoicing? When we're struck by the command to obey and are falling short, do we continue in God's word and hear that Christ has poured out the Holy Spirit on his church? That we are empowered for good works that God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Beloved, is our response to God's word characterized not just by an eager pursuit, not just by taking comfort in this or that moment, not just by a desire to obey, but with rejoicing. Because if it doesn't, we are missing something. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you have given us your word. May we treasure it. May we seek to learn more and more of it. May you grant by your Holy Spirit that we would understand, that our minds and our hearts would be illumined to see Jesus, to take hold of him, to grasp the good news of the gospel. May our interest in scripture not be characterized by its ability to hold our attention as an object of our curiosity, but as the very words of life that come to us by your hand. May we receive them eagerly. May we seek to understand. May we draw comfort from them. May they Guide us as we seek to walk in obedience. And Lord, may all of this be shot through with joy. As we reflect on who you are and what you have done for us. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for more teaching and for our current schedule of events if you'd like to drop in. We pray this recording has been a blessing to you. Go in peace.